1: Hi, everyone. This is Chris Grosso with the Indie Spirituals Podcast on the MindPod Network. My guest today is Mary O'Malley, and I'm going to just read you her bio quickly before we get into this conversation. Mary O'Malley is an author, counselor, and awakening mentor in Kirkland, Washington. In the early 1970s, a powerful awakening led Mary to begin changing her relationship with her challenges, freeing her from a lifelong struggle with darkness— Mary's latest book, What's in the Way is the Way, provides a revolutionary approach for healing your fears, anxieties, shame, and confusion so you can live from a place of ease and well-being. And I read the book, and I can speak from firsthand experience. It does do just that. Um, And you can visit Mary at maryomalley.com as well as what's in the way is the way.com, and we'll have links to all of that for, for our audience. So, Mary, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here with us. Oh, I'm so glad to be here, Chris. Appreciate it. So I figure we would start, before we dive into your book, which I am very excited to explore with you uh, in depth, I wanted to start out with your own journey. You know, it says right in in the bio that you had a a difficult time, and I know in your website it talks about a difficult childhood, and that led into your early adult years as well. Um, But like many of us, it became the catalyst that brought you to the spiritual path. fuel. Yeah. So would you mind talking a bit about that?
2: Well, I actually can say now that I'm very grateful Mm. for the kind of childhood I had. It wasn't a childhood that I would have wished on anybody. Sure. And I kept on just, it it was like on a a slippery slope. And I just kept on falling more and more deeply into confusion, Mm. into despair, into what I call my no way out place. That was encapsulated with great, great, great shame, you know I was truly caught in what I call the storyteller uh, so much so that I tried to eat it away, I tried to drink it away, I tried to drug it away, you know, I did uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, group therapy, medications, and finally suicide attempts because i I could not live with that pain. And so many people tried to fix
1: me. Right. Right.
2: And I only realized after I started awakening is that the more people tried to fix me, the more I heard there was something wrong with me that then I slipped even further down into that deep, dark hole. Mm -hmm. And then when I was 27, a yoga teacher came into my life. And when I walked into that room and he started speaking, he talked a lot about yana yoga. Yes. And my life changed, Chris. I mean, I, the best way to describe it, it was a B-grade, black and white, grainy horror movie. <laughs> and it turned into a Dolby surround sound, Technicolor, Panavision movie. Wow. But I couldn't hold on to it when I left him so he would come up from California and I think the third time he came I recorded the whole thing transcribed wow. the whole thing the whole weekend you know that you know you know, you you have to go rewind and then you sure. know with the whole thing but I was I was passionate about it, it was like I'd been in a desert and somebody gave me directions to an oasis mm. and I would hear them and then they would it would just you know I would look around in the desert and go huh you know and then when my house and store burned to the ground, I lost everything. But it's that book yes. that I grieve, that that transcription that I grieved. So I went to him the next time he was here. And I said, I-, I want to tell you what I'm hearing. And I want you to tell me if I'm on the right track. Hmm. And uh, it came in two parts. In the first is, in the seeing is the movement. Ah. In other words, there's nothing to fix. There's nothing to change. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing to get rid of. Right. That's all the game of the mind.
1: Right, right.
2: And I had never heard even anything in remotely like that. He was the first person that gave me the inkling of the power of my attention mm. to heal. But... It wasn't done with great heart and it wasn't until I met Stephen Levine and had a very good grace to spend you know, a fair amount of time with him that I began to then be able to have my mind drop into my heart. And that's when all the fear and the despair and the loneliness and the shame and the doubt and the confusion and, and the deep self-hatred began to soften mm. began to open and i truly was able now to relate to it rather than from it
1: yes yeah it, it everything you said resonates so deeply with me because it was almost as if you just shared my story in a different <laughs> way you know there yeah. are of course are differences but Mm -hmm. the drug addiction, the alcohol, the eating, the food, all of the pain, you know, trying to numb it, trying to escape from it, this and that. And in my case, it was uh, actually Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now, who I know Eckhart's Uh, a fan of your work. Yes, But just like Joel Kramer was for you, Eckhart for me was that gateway uh, about 12 years ago and I will never forget reading the introduction to The Power of Noah. Uh, I had no interest in spirituality at the time. It was a professor in college. We'd become pretty close, and she said, I I think this might help you. And so I begrudgingly took it home. And and (laughs) I will never forget, though, by the time I finished the introduction to that book, I knew my life would never be the same. You know, mm-hmm. and it was, it was the start, like you explained, it was the start, yeah. but it wasn't until later, you know, there's a lot of work that for me went into it and having to, to you know, bring the heart mind or, uh, you know, put them together, bring them into the same space. Um, and, and I love that you mentioned Steven, um, you know, mm-hmm. who just transitioned just recently. Now. Um, mm-hmm. but he and, and his wife, Andrea have been dear teachers in my life mm-hmm. as well. And their son, Noah, um, they're all mm-hmm. very wonderful people mm-hmm. and, uh, so that's wonderful that you've, you got to experience firsthand with him, you know, that.
2: Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. He endorsed the book. I, I just was so thrilled because he, you know, I mean, I first started uh, awakening with Ramdas.
0: Of course. You know, yeah.
2: And be here now, I could remember just that was our Bible, you know, yeah. and, and then, uh, and then uh, Stephen. And then I sat for many years uh, with Jack. Yes. Uh, down in the high mountain desert, Jack Yes, before, you know, Spirit Rock was actually built. And, you know, Eckhart, so many people have come to me, Chris, with this kind of message. I know I should be in the now. I just don't do a very good job of being in the now. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting how our mind now sees this as a task that has to be accomplished. Mm. And of course our mind is very good, the storyteller is very good at looking at what is wrong.
1: Yes, yes.
2: And so this whole message has gotten for many people kind of co-opted into the storyteller. Mm. And what I invite people in to a lot is the truth that you've never left the now. Right. The now is right here. And in this work, what's in the way is the way. That we don't have to try to get to the now because we're already there. We just need to see and see with great heart this conditioned self. We have 65,000 thoughts a day, they say. You know, it just makes me a little tired to even think about it. And if you had a little door on your forehead and you could open it up and watch the ticker tape of your thoughts, you'll see that their foundation is fear. Mm. It's glued together with judgment. And it always wants to get to the good stuff and leave the bad stuff behind. Right. And we don't realize that just keeps us caught in a bubble of struggle. So you know this, I was gifted that, gosh darn, that didn't work for me. And (laughs) I was one of those people that was just a failure at meditation for, you Uh, know, at least 10 years. Oh my God. Yes. yes. You know, I can remember the first retreat I went to was with Jack and, you know, 125 people uh, at Joshua Tree. And we were all sitting there and it opened my eyes and I knew everybody else was in nirvana
0: hmm.
2: and I was the only person that wasn't but slowly and surely I learned how to show up for all of it right. because the now includes fear and judgment it includes this whole storyteller right. how can we be present for that
1: oh and that's so important and and that is something It's a pitfall for a lot of people, you know, that they do tend to compartmentalize their spiritual Mm -hmm. practice as only formally happening um, or only happening while they're formally meditating or in a Mm -hmm. yoga class, church, sangha, whatever the Mm -hmm. case may be. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that's part of it. But And I, this was the case for me, too, for quite a few years. When I got up and I left that, I left that spiritual practice there, and it took some slow and steady you know, keep coming back, keep coming back to learn that it comes with me and it, and it imbues all of my life and every day today. And I'm so grateful for that. And I also just wanted to quickly touch on, I love uh, how you mentioned the now and how people will say, you know, I fail at it. And, and I, you know, I, I've written about that myself about feeling like a failure at spirituality as if there could be such a thing, but (laughs) you know how the mind works. and, uh, And so I can laugh at it today, but um, you know, you mentioned Ram Dass and Be Here Now is a seminal book in my life, of course. Um, and so is Eckhart and De Ram Dass and to Ken Wilburn. And, and what Ken uh, wrote, and I don't remember exactly what book, but was very helpful for me with the now is he talks about the awareness uh, our witnessing awareness and, uh, you know, different lineages use different names for it. But what I loved is he he says, think about five minutes ago, what was the same then that's the same now. Right. You know, things have changed, right. but what was the same? And then he goes, five hours ago, five yeah. days ago, five months ago, you know, thoughts have changed, your scenery has changed, environment's changed, but what hasn't changed? And then he yeah. brings it back to, you know, 50 years ago and then right. the, the Zen Koan, what was your face before you were born, you know? And um, anyway, so I that really helped put it into perspective for me because I, I started thinking about myself as a child. And I realized, wow, there was an awareness there. I wasn't cognizant uh-huh. of it, but it's that same awareness then that is right. here now. I'm a different person, yes. but that awareness has been the underlying experience of it all. And it's always right now.
2: So, yeah. And yes. we're so used to paying attention to the uh, rising and falling yes. of, of thoughts and feelings and sensations. And we have been trained to think that those are us. Yes. And yet we are, I, I, I like to say at the end of leading a meditation, and now notice what happened inside of you mm. when you were invited to close your eyes and whatever we did, pay attention to breath or whatever. Sure. And know that whatever showed up, is absolutely okay, because the healing we're ready for doesn't come from changing anything. It comes from the ability to see and be with what is. Yes, yeah. all of but, it. All of it. And so, yeah. how do you then? That's where my life, you know, of uh, you know, has. Uh, uh, it's been such a gift that i uh, I took on the kind of mind that just couldn 't stay comfortable enough with just enough alcohol and enough antidepressants and enough busyness and so on and so forth, and then I was thrown you know into it over and over again, and slowly and surely it taught me curiosity and uh, two very, very close family members in the last year've been very ill. Yeah. Uh, young, young people, you know, not old people, young people. Sure. And, uh, and oh, my God, Chris, it's just been superfood for bringing up the storyteller, the fear, the despair, yeah. you know, of it. And then over and over again. And I was thinking, I said this to my friend, what do people do when they walk through something like this without consciousness. Yes. And she said, well, they drink a lot and they take a lot of drugs and so on and so forth. But over and over again, I felt like I was riding a razor's edge that here would be this upwelling of fear or despair or the mind just going off into the future. And then I would say story. Mm-hmm. And then I would say just this much. So to bring my attention back here, and sometimes I would say, this is what life is offering. But at the times that the mind was really upset, because this was heartbreaking, yeah. I would then say, I see that you are upset, or I see that you are scared. Who I am, awareness, mm. is saying this to this storyteller that right now, let's say, is very afraid Uh, has a story running about the fear of the future. Mm. There's something about bringing that level of kindness to this storyteller that allows it to let go much more quickly. It's much more willing to soften, Mm. and it dissipates. And then here is the living moment again.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, I love that. And I think that segues very nicely into where I wanted to start with your book. Um, and you talk about it towards the beginning, the myth of not being okay. And I actually wanted to share a brief excerpt from that before we jump okay. into that. Um, I really appreciated this. You You wrote, we all long for this okayness, and yet it seems very elusive. If you step back and look at what is going on inside of you all day long, you would see that rather than resting in the ease of okayness, your mind is oftentimes doing the opposite. It is searching for something better, a better body, a better mate, a better Mm -hmm. meditation, a better car, a better mind. This kind of mind hopes that if you can just get your life the way you want (laughs) it to be, then you will feel okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and, and I remember reading that and thinking like, wow, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it still creeps in. So, you know, over yeah. 12 years yeah. now, you know, I've been working diligently with this yeah. and it still creeps in. So, of course. so let's talk about this myth and and how can we learn to begin breaking out of it or if we've been working on it, how can we deepen the practice?
2: Yeah. yeah. I think that that uh, we hear we should meditate, <laughs> right. right? Yes. But uh, in fact, I'm trying not to use the word meditation and I fail at it over and over again. But <laughs> meditation is one of those words that has a lot of attached onto it, okay? Sure, yes. So I like to call it a returning practice or a listening practice.
1: I like that, yeah.
2: Because we're just so up here and out there and back in the past and off into the future that we don't even realize that we're missing life. We don't realize we're caught in ideas about life rather than the living experience of it. And that's why I like Alan Watts, the great Zen oh, philosopher. Yes. His quote, no matter how many times you say the word water, it will never be wet. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. Yes. So yeah. to me, the first step is to begin to just hear that. You're in your mind most all the time. That That's a huge bit of information to be given, that you think your way through your life. Yeah. And hopefully that will kind of wake up a little bit of curiosity. Oh, wow. Isn't that, yeah, I struggle a lot. And if you can see it without judging it, then the next thing is to start giving yourself just a few minutes a day. Let's not, you know, say, you know, you go to the gym and you got to pick up the 100-pound weights and, you know, of course you're going to hurt yourself. And so what oftentimes happens, we hear we have to meditate 20 minutes twice a day, you know, and we do it for three weeks and then we go down to once a day and then one day it's all gone. It is so powerful to give yourself a gift of what I call letting life in this thing is velcro to struggle it just you know it can take uh a your boyfriend said he was going to call you at eight and it's now nine thirty, and he hasn't called and you've decided that he doesn't like you anymore and he's going to break up with you and because you're living in his house you're going to become homeless you know i mean it's just amazing what this can do yeah when you can give yourself just a couple of minutes a day of letting it in, of letting something pleasant or neutral in, like, you know, eating a piece of fruit and really smelling it and tasting it or sitting on your porch with your morning cup of tea and noticing the sounds around you and the sounds of the bird and the airplane and and the car door, you are in that moment actually here for life, Mm -hmm. present for the moment that life comes out of mystery. Mm -hmm. When you begin to give yourself that there's two huge things you'll discover. Number one, you'll be gone most all the time, even in those couple of minutes, you know? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But that's only because we've been lost in our mind for so long. And, and, And in a way, it's good because when we go away, then we actually strengthen the muscle of our attention when we bring it back. You know, you've taken a sip of your chai latte and you're smelling it and you're tasting it and you can feel the, warmth of it and then all of a sudden the mind says oh you know what i'm going to stop at starbucks this afternoon i'm going to i'm going to schedule a coffee break Mm. in the afternoon i'm going to get that you know and then you're off but the key is no judgment right you notice right and then you come back the other thing that happens for you is you begin to notice Mm. there's a huge difference between your stories about life and actually being here for this creative flow that's been going on for 13.8 billion years yeah. and that is orchestrated by an intelligence that's far greater than us, that's what we're homesick for.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: We, so it's like you said, the same thing with me. Uh, Stephen was asked once, how long does this take? <laughs> 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 and he said, it's the work of a lifetime. And what I say is, oh my God, it's the only game in town. And my God, you're hearing this message. The more you see you're caught in your mind a lot, the more you can see that there's something outside of your mind, it's called life, and that you're homesick for it, a team of wild horses isn't going to be able to keep you away from giving yourself the gift of a returning practice. Absolutely. You know, where no times in the morning, but for some people that doesn't work. Sometime in the day, you choose a focus, and no matter how many times you go away, you come back, and as you strengthen the focus, you start to be able to open up the field and actually be here for the dance of pain and pleasure and the mind liking and disliking and sweating and uh, chilling and all that—that's when we come home, yeah. right here. Yeah.
1: yeah, and and it's beautiful to experience that, you know. And I remember when I was early in the path and I would hear things like that, and it's like, well, it sounds great, but you know, I, I hadn't had the experience or minor, very minor glimpses of it. But uh, going back to what I said earlier is as we stick with it, slow and steady, these things become a more natural experience and way of being in the world. And, um, And it is incredibly beautiful to be able to be washing your hands and be aware right now I am washing my hands and it's a beautiful experience. Something as simple as that. I mean, and it's profound, absolutely yeah. profound. I mean, it is, it's wonderful. And, you know, something that I, I thought of while you were speaking, as you're saying, you know, you become aware and you come back, whether it's informal meditative practice or when you're out in the world and you just catch yourself right. lost in thought. Sharon Salzberg, I love when she talks about every moment you do that is a moment of enlightenment, it is a right. moment of awakening and it is because in that moment you are completely aware of i right now i'm lost in thought and you are perfectly there in that moment and and i just found that very encouraging when i heard that and the more little enlightenment glimpses you have they start to add up and <laughs> it's a beautiful thing so thank you for sharing that i yeah I, I love your approach to this that's why you know i said earlier i i really really do appreciate this book i think uh the way you present this material is very user friendly for Anyone who reads it. Anyway, um, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I love your approach. So yeah. I, an, another um, topic I wanted to talk with you about was fear. Um, and, you you know, you really go into depth about fear in the book and um, you talk about how we can get to know our fear and the right. way out of it. And I know from my own experience of doing workshops and talks that fear is not a popular topic with a lot of people right. because It's fear, you know, it's what we're afraid of. And it's much easier to churn away and turn the TV on or pick up a bottle, eat something, whatever the case may be. But yeah, so but I, I love that you really go into how, you know, talking about how we can learn to become more intimate with our fear and and show up for it. As you know, we keep saying show up. So if you could talk a little bit about that, that'd be great.
2: You know, if we open up that door again and watch that ticker tape, we'll see. How much it's run by fear. And it's not big fears. Most people are not even aware. You know, they, they're they afraid that the stoplight is not long enough to put your makeup on or do a text. Yeah. You know, or they're afraid that the stoplight is too long and they'll be late to work. Yeah. Or they're afraid. Uh, they say, I don't like their hair today. But really, it's this fear that I won't look cool enough, you know, or right <laughs> enough. Yes. And... You know, this, we're run by fear. And all you have to do is look at history or look at the evening news mm. to realize how deeply we are run by fear. Now, a really important piece to put in here is that this conditioned self, or what Eckhart calls the mind made me, yes. I love that. You know, the, yes. the, the mind before we were six made the foundations of this me. Yeah. I love to tell people at one time, there were no thoughts in your head. You know, <laughs>
1: go, imagine,
2: wow, <laughs> you know, no thoughts whatsoever. Right. And we began to be filled up with thoughts and we began to be run by fear. There was a study done once of children and their breathing patterns
0: mm.
2: and all the children before they went to school were breathing like dogs and cats do, and babies, you know, they were. It, it was engaged in their whole trunk, and not one of them was breathing their natural breath by the time they went to first grade. Wow. Not one. Wow. So it's so important to realize in this journey of coming back to life that this mind, one of its greatest fears is to come back to life because the last time we were fully here, we got scared and we got disappointed and we got invaded and we got abandoned and we got hurt. But to begin to be curious about fear itself is one of the most empowering things you can do. I was raised in a sea of paranoia. And so, you know I try to fix it and change it, and you know I try to meditate it away sure. and it was only when I started to say, "Oh, you're here. <laughs> I see you, tell me about your story, and sometimes it could sometimes it couldn't because I have hated and judged and feared these Parts of ourselves that we want to eat away and drink away and smoke away and busy away and drug away. And yet my experience, that only amplifies them ultimately in the end.
1: Yes. And
2: the safest thing you'll ever do is turn and say, hello.
1: (laughs) I love that. Hello. Yeah, I think you know as you talk about in the book, and you've you've mentioned a few times, it's curiosity and and right. and really getting getting to know it. Hello, hi, how are you? And yeah. and uh, and being open to it instead of our natural human tendency, which is to push it away. And exactly. which, understandably, you know, because that's what's been ingrained in most of us for our lives, and even going back, it was part of our survival instinct. You know, push pain right. away. But, you know we're we're a different species now we're much more evolved and capable of skillfully working with and through these things so I love I love that you do talk about curiosity and you've mentioned it because in my own experience that's been hugely beneficial and helpful you know mm-hmm. it, it's not always easy to, to to explore with a curious attitude the uncomfortable parts um, right but as you learn to do it really what I what I have learned about myself through through doing that has been monumental you know and and it makes it interesting it keeps it interesting
2: very interesting and you know I in what's in the way there is the uh, a choice there's a 10 week series Mm. that that called the remembering section that you can do uh, at the end of each chapter and uh, and it develops first of all the muscle of your curiosity Mm. and Then it begins to, as we go more deeply in the book, you begin to change your whole relationship to discomfort. Yes. That that Stephen Levine tells a story about a woman on her deathbed that was 93 years old. Mm. And she said, it can't end now because it hasn't started yet. So we don't want to go to the end of our lives being half alive. And what we begin to discover is that life has hidden the treasures of awakening in discomfort. Mm. Whether it's physical discomfort, that ache in your back, you know, the, the, the nausea from chemotherapy, you know, whether it's emotional, you know, your mate just died, you know, your dog just died, you know, right. you just lost your job, somebody yelled at you, you know, or the mental, the struggle that's always trying to, uh, fix things or make things better.
0: Yes.
2: And I am, I am, uh, I would have won the contest of wimphood, You know, uh, in my life, because I once gained 97 pounds in a year. You know, I really, really am a Taurus. So I was absolutely certain I was just going to numb all this stuff and and get away from it. And I'm a little bit of a slow learner. (laughs) And it, and it took and me, me a both. while to begin to get, huh, I don't think this is working. Yeah. you know. Yeah. And that's when it, it was almost like this, Chris, you know, whoop, oop, you know, <laughs> oop, ah, oop, you know, oh, uh, oh, ah, oh, you know. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I began, I, I call it becoming a tightness detective mm. that remember the breathing patterns of the children. Yes. Okay, yeah. we learned very early on. We had even if we had loving parents, we had so many experiences that were confusing and overwhelming and and scary, and so we learned how to tighten and hold our breath and run away to our minds, and then when that doesn't work, we run away into our compulsions and away we go, yeah. you know. And this is all about doing the path back. And the, the most powerfully healing thing I have discovered how to do is be interested when I'm tight Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the body will tell you probably at the beginning more than your mind will. You'll just be going yada, 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 you know, and you hate your boss and you're going to, you know, fire your boss and, you know, so on and so forth because, you know, he called you out at a meeting and all that. Yeah. But your body, all of a sudden you'll notice there is this fist in your solar plexus or maybe an elephant sitting on your chest. That's where the uncomfortable places in life will begin to alert you. Mm. And the more that you strengthen the muscle of your curiosity, the more you'll be able to see, stand with, and if needed bring great compassion to whatever is happening inside of you that is causing this tightness Yes, and our parts that hold are just like you and i they when they're acknowledged you know, when they're heard ah
1: exactly <laughs> yes and and i think you you've already kind of begun to discuss what uh, another aspect of the book I want to talk to you about, um, which is the five great teachers. And I really, really appreciate this part of the book because you you write about them and how these five great teachers are designed to bring up what's been bound inside of us and is asking for healing and attention. And the five great teachers, as you write, are compulsions, illness, pain, finance, and people. So, would you mind diving a little bit into that for for the audience and discussing, you know, how they can be our great teachers?
2: I want to develop a piece before we go into the actual teachers. Yeah. That this separate self, this conditioned self that we all crawled into when we were young, it has this great illusion that it's in charge of life. And it's got to do it and it's got to do it right. Mm -hmm. Well, as I began to come out of it and back into life, especially when I was sitting long, you know, meditation retreats, you begin to notice that this is a highly intelligent process. I mean, what is it that has brought spring out of winter for eons? Yeah. What is it that? That brought two cells together and made a zygote that's you. And that developed into 70 trillion cells. (laughs) And they all work together without a thought from you. I mean, when was the last time you digested your
1: food? Yeah.
0: Or grew your hair?
1: Absolutely. You know? I I like the uh, example I've heard of if you get a cut you know, or break a bone. You're not consciously healing it. Exactly. It's a, yes, it's amazing.
2: Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, this, this moment is the only moment that you can access this phenomenal, creative river of life that has been going on for 13.8 billion years. And everything you see, including yourself, is made out of atoms that were once a part of a star. Yes. How did the intelligence of life bring itself together into all the astounding majesty and mystery you see on this planet, including you? How did it create DNA? So when you begin to realize that just maybe there's something that's smarter than you that is in charge... I was working on the book one day and this just came out all in one fell swoop. Life is set up to bring up what has been bound up so it can open up to be up, so you can show up for life.
1: I love that.
2: So here we are wide open, not a thought in our head. Everything is brand new. And then slowly and surely this storyteller create gets created. You know, this is before you go to school. This is when you go to school. You know, it's very yes. painful. You know, this is teenagehood. You, you can, I can still see you through my fingers, but oh my God, I'm paying a lot of attention to my story. Yeah. And this is adulthood for most people. And what this work is about is about going, oh, oh, isn't it interesting? i got hands in front of my face. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's about going, uh, oh, that's fear. Oh, that's despair. Oh, I touch you with my heart, you, you sense of unworthiness. And slowly and surely, this begins to happen. And when that happens, you begin to understand that the challenges of your life are not here because you have done something wrong. Life is trying to punish you. They, the proverbial they, usually our parents, your mate, have done something wrong. Or the powers to be have fallen asleep on the job. You begin to understand that life is a highly intelligent process. And when challenges come, mostly we are a victim to them that illness, that, oh, that difficult boss that I just talk to my friends all the time about how horrible he or she is and all that, you know, the uh, teenager that, uh, you know, is not doing what we want him or her to do. And my job is to have you go, now wait, okay, what is life showing me here? And the gift of the five great teachers, let's just start with compulsions, because I wrote a whole book about this called The Gift of Our Compulsions. Mm -hmm. But we can begin to see the same thing we can see in all of the other teachers, that the statistics from the U.S. Surgeon General's report, 98% of every pound that is lost in America is gained back plus some within a year and a half. that doesn't just work with food compulsions. If we muscle another one to the ground, another one will take hold. You know, that's a whole another conversation about why that happens. But when we begin to realize that when we fight or flee by compulsions usually from our challenges, it only makes it worse. 98% 98% and, uh, and within a year and a half, you've gained more back. That was part of the statistics too. So that's my job is to make people curious about these five great teachers because in these great challenges, those, the gifts of coming back home are embedded And if you can get beyond the idea, this is happening to me, or what's wrong with me, that this is happening, I did something wrong, and all of a sudden you become curious, I assure you that life will give you phenomenal gifts of opening your perception so you can come back to what you really long for, to be fully available to life.
1: I love that. Yeah, that's perfect, and and I think that does do a good job of just explaining, yeah. without having to dive into all of them because that, that's it that that lays the foundation for all of it. So all of them. Yeah, yeah. very very well said.
2: And we um, all have them. We all have challenges. We we been yeah. trained. If I just do it right enough, you know, if I win the lottery, yes. Yeah, if oh, I yeah. win the lottery, <laughs> you know, and they had a big thing on the news about how th- that the only people that the lottery doesn't destroy their lives. Yeah. is people that use it for service.
1: Yes, yes.
2: Yeah.
1: It's incredible. So the, the last thing, I mean, and, and this is just barely beginning to scratch the surface of your book. I mean, we could spend hours on it. But um, the last thing I wanted to discuss from it uh, was the four lets, which you mm. shared towards the end. And I love the four mm. lets, um, which are let life. That's the first one. Number two, let it be. Number three, mm-hmm. let it go. And number four, let go. So if yeah. you would be so kind as to talk a little bit about those, because I think that's kind of a nice way to bring all of this full circle.
2: Oh, I'm so glad you did, because these are just very close to my heart. Wow, because- awesome. I heard a lot about, you know, when I was starting to awaken, just let it go, just let it go. You know, and here is my mind churning in realms of fear and and despair and, you know, in fact, the first retreat I did with Jack um, that I was just going crazy, you know, the mind was going crazy. And what he suggested that I do is that I would sit when everybody was out walking. And I would go walk when everybody was sitting, ah. so I had a little bit of space, so believe you me, I know what it's like to live in a very, very uh highly developed crazy neurotic mind mm. and uh and now it's 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 all in my heart, so it comes, but mostly it passes right through. Yeah. And so I used to just judge myself so much because I couldn't let it go. And I heard, just be here now. You know, that's the let go, you know. Oh, God. Then I began to realize that all of us on this journey are going to have uprisings from the deep, deep conditioning Mm -hmm. of fear and aloneness and unworthiness and despair that makes up this condition self. Yeah. And sometimes they're like tsunami waves. So that's the let life place, that the message in that is to just recognize that you're caught in struggle. I know that feels like nothing, right. but that's a powerful moment. In that moment, even if you step right back into the winds, you are relating to it rather than from it. And then um, I go into a, a, a very long involved thing, especially in the gift of our compulsions, about the power of living in questions, mm-hmm. about asking questions without looking for an answer because you're not the one that's doing this awakening. And this poor little mind, I thought for a long time I was doing it And I wasn't doing it good enough or right enough. And if your listeners are interested, they can uh, email me and I will be glad to send them the chapter on questions, on living in questions, because we don't have enough time to to really flesh that out. But know that one of the most powerful things you can discover on this journey back to yourself and back to life is the power of asking questions without looking for an answer because you literally create a vacuum in the universe and the answer will live itself through you. Mm. And I began to be able to have a little bit of space around the real tsunami waves of terror because I grew up in deep paranoia that now that I was opening, you know, all that holding was letting them arise. And then at times when I couldn't be with it, then that's when I would turn it over. But more and more, you'll move to the next one. Let it be. Yeah. And this is where you the bulk of the book is about how to actually be curious, how to actually turn towards, how to actually be interested in what is going on inside of you. Because when you can bring your attention, and we're only beginning to realize the phenomenal power, the phenomenal healing power of focused Human attention. That when you can bring it together with your immediate experience, that's where alchemy happens. Mm. So we could say that this book is a uh, 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 a handbook for alchemy, a handbook for transforming unconsciousness, fear, doubt, you know, unworthiness, despair, loneliness, uh, s- struggle, anger, irritation, all that, transforming it. Back into the free flowing aliveness that it comes from. The more you do the let it be, the more let it go just begins to naturally happen. I can't tell you, I've been in way too many hospitals and doctor's office in the last year. And, you know, I would just usually sit very quietly, and, you know, the mind would start up with something, and then I would see it. And it would just let go. Mm-hmm. So it, I couldn't say it's all about the 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 belief in the mind letting go. You know, it, it's much more that it lets go when we're present for it than we let it go. Although we can actually have times we say, no, I just let this go. Sure. But more and more with your attention, it just lets go. And then you come to the fourth let go you're just open dancing with this creative river called life that where this moment is your home
1: Mm. it's perfect that's beautiful mary Well, and and regarding the email, just so so the audience knows, maybe is the best way for them to visit your website and do you have a contact form there that they can get a hold of you regarding the chapter you mentioned?
2: The best thing to do is to email Martha at Mary com. Sure, I'll
1: put a link up to that. Great.
2: And I also have three really beautiful cards. One is a question mark about curiosity the second is a heart so that you can begin to open to find the space around all this and the third says soft belly (laughs) that invites you to become that tightness detective that can see everything that you took on that caused you to hold on Hmm. so you can come back and be fully alive in fact I don't know if you Noah, uh this quote from Joseph Campbell, the, the great teacher of myth. And oh, yeah. I, this is on the first page of the first chapter of The Power of Myth. And I put it on the first page of the first chapter of my first book, Belonging to Life. And he says, I won't get all the words exactly right, but right. this is pretty close. Nice. People say that what we're searching for is the meaning to life. I don't think that's what we're searching for at all. What we're searching for is the experience of being alive so that our experiences on the physical plane resonate in our very innermost being. And we again know the rapture of being alive. That's,
1: it's perfect. And there you have it. Like that, that, I couldn't have asked for a better way to end this conversation. Mary, thank you so much for your time. It's it's been a tremendous honor and pleasure sharing this space with you, and your heartwork and message. Um, I deeply bow to you and all that you're doing in this world. Um, again, the website is maryomalley.com. The name of her newest book what's in the way is the way from our mutual publisher sounds true. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and I can't recommend it enough for, for our audience. Is there anything before we end that you would like to, to leave the audience with at all?
2: I invite people to come sit with me up on the moon because I have some really big chairs, comfy chairs, (laughs) Barkle loungers, right? Nice. And there is our earth, just our home. And it is so exquisitely beautiful. And it's so astoundingly creative. I mean, look over at Mars. You're beautiful in its own right, red and rock. And then there's the moon, brown and dust, you know. Oh, my God, you look at the earth and there's, you know, clouds and there's colorful parrots and there's Pods of dolphins and there's floating icebergs and there's little beetles that are so colorful, you know, that there's an artist that makes artwork out. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. And if you see carefully, there's this strange two-legged creature that has populated the whole planet called human beings, <laughs> and they're all running around with clouds around their head. So they do not they do not see the sacredness of every, every moment. They do not see the sacredness of themselves. So they can do harm to themselves, harm to others, and harm to the planet. Mm -hmm. So as we begin to open to this kind of way of opening back into life, know that this is happening through you, not only for your own healing, but for the healing of our planet. Because as you thin your clouds, you will be more present. In life, and that heals this
0: world.
1: I love it. We show up for ourselves so we can show up for others, and yes, beautiful. Well, Mary, yes. thank you so much for your time. It really has been a, a sincere pleasure. I'm very grateful. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. It is my joy, my friend, and yeah. thank you for I'm going to call you Johnny Appleseed <laughs> because you're spreading this message
1: out uh, there,
2: and it needs to be spread.
1: Ah, uh, well. It's, it's a humbling and uh, gratitude-filled experience. So thank you, Mary. I appreciate it.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp.